Hello everyone, good morning. This is Agri Radio and today our show is Tough Talk. We have a very special guest here with us. Mr. Kenneth Okonkwa is the founder and CEO of Iritech Nigeria, a business that provides life-transforming technologies for smallholder farmers by providing them with low-cost portable solar-powered irrigation and agricultural services. He is also a U.S. Consulate Carrington Youth Fellow, One Champion, and Young Innovation Leaders Fellow. Today, we'll be discussing irrigation technology and food security in Nigeria. Please join me to welcome Mr. Kenneth Okonkwa to Tough Talk on Agric Radio. He's joining us virtually all the way from Abuja. So Mr. Kenneth, how is the weather in Abuja? Uh, just, you know, like to lighten up the mood before we get into the real questions. Yeah, good morning, Chibuzo, and um, good morning, everyone. Well, the, the, the weather over here is very cold. You know, it's um, we're in the drying season period, so it's actually a very, very cold weather. And um, we expect it to be very hot um, in the next couple of hours. Wow. <laughs> well, in Lagos, we've had a bit of hamatan, which I think has faded away already. It was just like for a few days. But yeah, it's faded away and we're back to normal now. So, yeah. Um, so, first question. Mr. Kenneth, you currently play in a space in agriculture that is very unique. For every active farmer out there, it's understandable and relatable to believe that they do irrigation in a very conventional and crude way. How much does the average Nigerian market, how does the, how does the um, Nigerian market embrace the concept of irrigation powered by technology, let alone via solar? Well, um, it, it's also um, inconceivable that, you know, a country like Nigeria, we have um, over 60% of the world's arable land. And it's it's also shocking that just 1%, about 1% of over 30 million hectares of land under cultivation in Nigeria today is, you know, is irrigated. So it, it shows the, the, the very low amount of farmlands that have been irrigated. And this has actually affected, you know, our productivity. And um, looking at the average farmer today, um, most of them don't even have access to these irrigation systems that mm. could help them improve their productivity. Uh, about 90% of them rely on the conventional irrigation system, such as using, you know, um, the bucket, fetching water from, you know, the water sources for, you know, and, and carrying it from the village water center to their farms. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's resorts to poor um, poor productivity or, 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 or low yield. So in, 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 um, in general, I would say there is a very poor level of adoption of irrigation in the, in the country currently. Uh, and it's, it sounds very tedious. Imagine having a rice farm and then you have to like keep fetching water to irrigate the whole field. And it sounds very tedious. We really need to embrace more of technology. And I, I hope that very soon a lot of Nigerians would, you know, embrace this because it's the future. It's the future, basically. 
Um, so from the surface, um, in a surface and a naive point of view, one would think that irrigation couldn't be any harder than fabricating a source of water to the farm, and that's all. However, several bodies such as the Federal Minister or Ministry of Water Resources, FMWR, which is saddled with the Policy Formulation for Irrigation Development in Nigeria, the Federal Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development, State Irrigation Departments, and River Basin Development Authorities. They have variant duties regarding the irrigation development in Nigeria. Do these bodies complement one another to ensure sustainability of water resources for agriculture and consumption in Nigeria, or it has resulted in competition among one another, which, which resulted in a fragmented and conflicting approach to irrigation development in the country? So what do you think? Do you think they complement each other, or do you think they are in some sort of, should I say, unhealthy competition? Well, fr from experience, I would say um, I haven't seen them working together because um, if they have been working together, the challenges faced by farmers in terms of irrigation would have been solved. And because most of these agencies are not really working together, that is one of the reasons some of the irrigation schemes that have been put in place by the government are not sustainable. They are not sustained. Most of them were able to run for just a year or two, and that was the end of it. And, you know, um, looking at the water resource um, uh, um, space or sector in the Nigeria, we see ourselves having about four, five um, um, agencies, you know, heading that department. It's, it's not meant to be so. It's yeah. something that just one or two um, agencies can, can, can handle. But we now have about four or five agencies managing just one sector. Yes. And they are not even completing yes. the activities of one another. And a lot of things are being conflicted today. I so um, from experience, I've actually experienced working with these guys. And I will tell you that they are not really helping matters. Hmm. And it's really, really affecting you know, the farmers who need these services. I can imagine. I can imagine. Wow. I really, I really wish we can do better in Nigeria. And one word that everybody has been, you know, like mentioning of late, especially in agriculture, and because everybody is working towards um sustainable, sustainable um farming and food security, is the fact that we all need to collaborate. If there's something you're doing that can complement what I'm doing, we come together and collaborate. Or if you're doing this field, you stick to it and do great there rather than have unhealthy competitions among, you know, like all of us that are playing in this field. So, yeah, um, before we go forward, please, can you turn on your video just for us to um, have in our opinion? Thank you. So our next question, um, as a one champion, part of the goal is campaigning to end extreme poverty and um, preventable disease by 2030. So everyone can lead a life of dignity and opportunity. How do you go about accomplishing this? And by how much has it affected you in particular? Yes, um, I, you know, as a one champion, like you said, you know, we actually advocate for um, extreme poverty alleviation and also working against preventable diseases in the country. Um, being um, an ambassador in Nigeria, um, I've been working with other champions to actually see how we could contribute to the agricultural sector in terms of food you know, production. And um, in the past couple of months, um, I could remember we have carried out a lot of projects in partnership with the Lagos State Ministry of Science and Technology and the Lagos State Ministry of Agriculture 
to actually train um, secondary school, about 500 secondary school children across wow. Lagos State, across wow. the, uh, Ibile, that's the, um, the educational districts. We actually train them on you know, modern, sustainable agricultural practices because we noticed that some of these children, um, um, what they are being trained in the cl classrooms, they, 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 they lack access to, to um, we we'll call it um, hands-on field experience on yes. sustainable agriculture. Most yes. of the children, they eat yam, but they believe yam is grown on the air, you know. So we had to go through this process of training them, you know, with um, with um, sustainable agricultural practices. They even set up farms in their school and wow. learn hands-on on how to grow these foods. We also um, was able to work, you know, also with the German consulate and even the U.S. consulate in Lagos to actually train youths in um, Majidu community in Lagos State and... Um, Ogolunto, that's an, another community in, um, in Ikorodu. We trained about 50 youths from each of these communities on sustainable food production, vegetable production, um, the agricultural value chain and poultry production. So um, from our own part, we have been trying to work towards empowering people with the skills and knowledge, you know, to grow their own food, create sustainable source of employment for themselves mm -hmm. and also feed also, we also try to um, work with some of the the stakeholders, especially this um, the special advisors to the government on um, to the governor on agriculture. We try to actually, you know, um, advocate and work with these people to create more policies because this is an area we are having big challenge in agricultural space to create more policies and programs that could ensure um, agricultural development in, the, in in Lagos State particularly. That's, that's really amazing to hear what, what you've done. I mean, um, everybody's saying it, that you, the youth the youth is the future of agriculture. We need to encourage more younger people to get into agriculture instead of letting it fall on the hands of the older people. Because everybody thinks, when you say um, farming or agriculture, most people think, oh, it's for old people and they're carrying hoes and cutlasses and all of that. But this, doing this from their early stage while they're in secondary school, they already start building this interest and like you said they do most of the theory they don't even know what it's like so like bringing this part so they are like doing like practical they are seeing it not just you're just telling them and it's just enter one ear and leave the other but it's really amazing and amazing stuff that you're doing congratulations congratulations we hope to see more of it thank you so um, so, um, speaking, speaking a bit on being a US consulate quarantine youth fellow which you are would you be kind enough to share the kind of opportunities you have been privileged based on this fellowship that's in um, correlation with what you do? Okay, so um, the, the Sci-Fi, that's a current youth fellowship initiative. It's actually an, an initiative of the United States Consulate in Lagos. So every year they select about 20 youths from the country and um, Apart from being empowered and trained, you are also given a grant of about $5,000 to implement a project that will benefit the society. Mm. So um, there are about four tracks. We have the economic empowerment track, the education track, the civic liberties track, and the education track. So I found myself in the economic empowerment track, and I work with a, a team of amazing five young Nigerians. So we actually um, developed a, a program whereby we trained um, 30 youths on um, data analytics skills and data management skills. So apart from giving back to the community, the, the, the program itself really, really empowered you know, my life generally. Um, I, I had access to a lot of mentors. I had access to international networks that have actually helped 
you know, in what I'm doing today in Eritech, you know, it was through them that I, I got some recognitions and nominations to get some awards from the Netherlands government, That's which amazing. the grant I got from them, yeah, to build, you know, um, Eritech. So the, the program itself was a life transforming one for me. And um, even for every other fellow that have gone through the United States consulate. And I think it's, it's a program every young Nigerian should actually try to um, benefit from. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you very much for sharing that. For, so for anyone listening, you should look for opportunities like this to put yourself out there and you do great things, definitely. Um, so the infamous, the infamous um, border closure in Nigeria was characterized by heavy smuggling of foods, most especially. During the period of this closure, the solution to be self-sufficient as far as food sustenance is concerned wasn't attained. Literally everyone in the value chain, the food value chain was hit. Was was this the case for you? And how were you able to manage it if you were hit? Well, um, because I play in the um I play in two sectors. I play in the educational educational sector, like training youth and people and farmers on sustainable agricultural, you know, um services. I also work on the impute aspect of it as providing the solar power education systems and other education system for farmers. So during that period, what really happened was that um, because the border was shut, a lot of people actually jumped back into production. A lot of people actually came back into production. But on the long run, many failed because many were depending on rainfall. And you saw what happened last year. We didn't see the rains as was expected. So it favored me because a lot of people had to call for the irrigation services. We actually had a lot of works on our hand throughout that period to keep on installing for people. So, and many people were also interested in agriculture. Um, I could remember because of the pandemic, yeah. people saw that agriculture is the new good. So a lot of mm -hmm. people wanted to gain experience and knowledge in agriculture. And in partnership with my farm base Africa and IITA, we were able to train about 10,000 from wow. um, May wow. last year till uh, wow. this February. Yeah, wow. we're able to 10,000 10, 10, 10, 10, uh, yeah. 10, people across Africa, about 8,000 and 2,000 across Africa. So it was an awesome period for us. So I think the border closure, one way or the other, um, favored, favored us right here. Uh, that's, that's really amazing to hear. <laughs> I mean, but... I just wish, um, what they call it, in Nigeria, we won't have to wait till situations like the pandemic to realize that things like this are like the future. They are the way forward. We need to do more of things like this. And I mean, congratulations again, congratulations for achieving that. 10,000 people, that's amazing. That means more people are, you know, like contributing to food security. That's that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. Um. Sometimes um, we've heard that you're described as the solar-powered rainmaker. <laughs> How interesting has your journey been so far? Yeah, it, it, it was an, well, it has been an interesting journey because um, I, I had to start from experience. I had my farm then and climate change really, really dealt a lot with me. You know, when I tried to, um, tried to rainfall became very, very unpredictable and irregular. So when I tried going for the conventional irrigation system, I had to get these um, petrol and diesel powered pumps. They were effective, but it was time consuming. And uh, apart from that, I saw myself spending about 20,000 Naira almost every month just to fuel, you know, my, my 
narrator. And at the end of the and at the, at the end of the farming cycle, I noticed that about eighty percent of my costs was going to fueling the generator. I, had, wow. I started thinking about you know wow. how can I because I noticed over eighty percent of farmers were also facing the same mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. So I started asking myself mm-hmm. what way forward we need to find a sustainable solution for this, and that's how the solar irrigation system came about. But it wasn't that easy at the beginning because um, we have no manufacturers of these systems in the country. Mm-hmm. Every part needs to be actually imported. And um, we first of all, I had to start working with partners abroad. I had to call because I have skills in agriculture. I lack the skill in sustainable, um, in, in renewable energy. So I had to call a friend who is in the renewable energy sector and we designed this particular system to be very, very portable for, for farmers. So when we came up with the system, we actually got a partner in China that actually designed the first prototype. And through this current youth fellowship, I got connected to the um, to the Netherlands government through the Orange Corners you know, Innovation Program. So they gave me the first money for the prototyping. It worked. So when they saw that it worked, they actually gave the second um, grant for mass production. And then it has been an awesome story since then. At least we have been able to install for farmers across the country and currently we are working on a huge project with GIZ Germany to ensure that farmers across four states will have access to to this product and have it installed on their farm. We are still at the baby stage. We are still working on so many models to ensure that things um, get better on the way. But it's, it's been an amazing journey. This is this was really exciting to hear. I mean, if you could see, I was I was literally smiling as you were saying all of that. Most especially the part when you said you reached out to a friend and you guys worked on it together. That's um where collaboration comes in. And I mean, it's just the way forward basically. And collaborate. You you um take advantage of um two networks. Your network is network, and then you meet more people. It's really amazing. It's really amazing. Congratulations, congratulations again. <laughs> Yeah, so um, global food prices rose to like 14% in 2020, an increase that is severely affecting developing nations. And the World Bank aims to help countries build resilience on by focusing on food and nutrition security. How successful do you think they can be to achieve this? Well, from um, from experience, I was actually speaking to some people um, last week, and, and I told them um, we are yet to feel the huge impact of what climate change did to farmers last year. Um, we should expect more increase in prices very soon because oh, wow. you know last year we had yeah it is going to be drastic because last year um, I've seen farm I've actually gone to state or just about twenty states across the country. I saw hectares of farmland where people spent millions dried up they couldn't harvest a pin out of those farms because last year um um rainfall was very very irregular and yes. unpredictable yes. we went ahead to plant yeah. expecting the rains to fall and it never never rained and those crops went to waste and even finally when the rain came it was excess and people experienced flood flooding carried out a lot of rice farms, washed away a lot of tomato farms. So um, so in terms of food sustainability, we should expect increase in prices very, very soon. Um, What we are having currently at the market is probably those who use irrigation systems and those who actually um, um, produced before the rain stopped. Very soon, those who couldn't produce because of um, lack of rain, they didn't produce so certainly prices is going to go up more 
But for us to achieve this, um, a lot of help needs to be given to smallholder farmers because these mm -hmm. guys are the producers of over 90% of the food we consume. Yes. They need to be helped. Yes. Apart from giving yes. them access to, you know, apart from giving them access to, to impute, access to credit, connecting them to market, if they get the production wrong, then that means output will be very, very poor. And one of the areas they're having challenge is irrigation system. Irrigation, as we are in dry season now, I know about 100 farmers who are not producing. Why? They don't have access to an irrigation system. Yes. So one of the ways yes. we could, um, these agencies could help to, or can be successful to achieve food sustainability, especially in developing countries like ours, is through helping smallholder farmers and giving them access to some of these irrigation um, technologies that could help them. I believe if they could have access to produce throughout the year, certainly, yes. Um, on the other hand, food prices will be at least um, lesser than what we have now. Definitely, definitely. I can imagine if um, farmers don't have to worry about, um, oh, we're planting only from here, from this time to this time. You have to plant like all year round, like you're planting, you're harvesting, like it's just a continuous cycle. Definitely there'll be more food. People will be less hungry prices of food would come down. I mean, it's it's really amazing. It's really amazing. I, I wish we would get to this point in Nigeria very soon. I really, really wish more people embrace technology. And I mean, this year's system, which is even solar-powered, that is even saving, like you said, you were spending like 80% of your cost on fuel. And then, I mean, we have so much sun, so why not use it for something, you know, very beneficial to all of us? That's amazing. Thank you very much for that. Um... Our last question. It's been it's been a, a really really insightful time with you. So our last question, as far as policy is concerned, the sustainability of ex of existing framework and political commitment are not guaranteed due to the past failed policies. Also, the incessant flooding of some of the large scale irrigation schemes hinders the goals of irrigation development. In your opinion, why is why is this the case? I know you've addressed a bit of um, how the flood affected people, but relating to these policies that we have, how, how do you think we can do better? Yeah, so um, when policies fail, we look at implementation, or we, start, we go back to the drawing board. These policies that we have made first, well, who, who was it made for? You, you said you made a policy for farmers, and you have never been in the shoes of these farmers to understand, you know, what they face. About 90% of the policies we have today are not even helping these farmers. That is where 90% of the problem comes from. Mm. So some of these um, um, schemes that have been put in place in, in, in terms of policy, we continue to fail because the, the people who are creating the policies are not experienced yes. in terms of the people you want to create policies for, some of them have not even spent time with these farmers to see firsthand the challenges. You know, it's it's when you see the challenges these farmers are facing, you'll be able to go back and, you know, create a policy that will help them overcome these challenges. So some of the challenge, some, some of the policies we have in place today, we are just created to ensure that there is a policy in place. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they fail because the implementation strategy was wrong. The people that was a target audience for the policy, the policy wasn't actually favoring them. Yes. So at the end of the day, it's good to fail. 
So one of the areas um, we need to work is getting the right people, you know, in these positions. When the right persons or the right people with the right skills and experience are in these leadership positions, certainly they will create the right policies that will solve the right challenges and problems yes. these farmers are facing. Yes. And on, on the long run, it will contribute to sustainable food production, food security, and even you know, um, um, improvement of the livelihoods of the people. So these problems that we are facing today, like I said, starts from policy. And like I said, the people creating the policies need to be changed. Once they can be changed, certainly we'll see a positive um, outcome from that. And um, addressing the um, irrigation system or flooding system that, that, that you talked about is still the same issue. Um, we have the Fadama project, we have a lot of the, the irrigation schemes that have been put in place in, since um, the Operation Feed the Nation uh -huh. um, program. Some of them are no longer you know, working today. Some of them are no longer, no longer working today. And about many farmers have taken up initiative by themselves to pro to provide water for their farms by themselves. So um, for now, we still have a very, very long way to go yes. in terms of helping farmers and yes. let the right people be in the right places to create the right policies. Thank, thank you so much for that. The, the things that stood out for me from um, the points you made, the people that are put in place to make these policies, they need to have experience in the field of where they're trying to place these policies. And then they also need to have like proper strategies. So when these um, the policies are implemented, you are sure that it's going properly. I mean, if we have all this in place, we'll definitely start building something better. And like you said, we still have a long way to go, but little by little, little by little, we'll get there. So um, I know this is tough talk where we say all of the serious things about agriculture and all of that, but just for anyone that is, you know, like not so um, conversant with um, this field, I would just like you to just give us a brief um, definition of irrigation and irrigation technology, and then we'll say our goodbyes. All right. So um, in, in the simplest terms, I say irrigation is the artificial application of water to your crops when there is no rainfall. So um, farmers depend on rainfall alone to grow crops, but during dry season, there's no rain. So how do you provide water to your crops? You look for artificial methods. It can be by taking water from the water source like well, river, and pouring them on your crops, or you now look at the irrigation technologies. This is where irrigation technology comes. So we look at, we have so many irrigation methods. We have the drip irrigation systems. We have the sprinkler. Um, some of us might, might have seen the sprinkler irrigation system. Those of us that walk past through some of these hotels or banks, you see them using a particular system that rotates and sprinkles water to wet. Maybe there are flowers you know, in, you know, in, in the premises of the hotel or the bank. So that's sprinkler system. You can use that on your farm. We have um, a lot of other systems. The drip is the most common and the most efficient um, because it drops water directly to the roots of the crops. But generally, irrigation is just the artificial application of water to your crops when there is no rainfall. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Kenneth. So for anyone that wasn't that didn't join us from the beginning or you are not very conversant with that, like he said, 
we see irrigation methods around or like like he mentioned the sprinkler method if you've seen any of all these um gardens or banks or hotels they have that so that is one way at least you know or have seen some sort of irrigation so yes thank you very much mr kenneth we appreciate um having you on tough talk it's been an amazing time and we look forward to having you many many more times and before we go i would just like to thank our audience for joining and Please do not forget to follow us on all our social media platforms at Agric Radio. We are active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And also listen to our podcast on our, on our various platforms. We are on Anchor, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and any other place you listen to your podcast, basically. We really appreciate everyone for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Tough Talk by Agric Radio. Let's talk family.